Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is an absolute honor to have the opportunity to speak with you again today, especially as we continue on with our Advent series and as we get closer and closer to the day that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, Christmas. And so I want to start our time today uh, by just asking you a couple quick questions. Uh, The first one is, what's your favorite Christmas song of all time? Like, what's the song for you that defines the season? You have to listen and sing this song in order for it to truly be Christmas. Maybe it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or O Holy Night, or O Come All Ye Faithful, which is a song I could sing all year round. Now let me ask you another question. What's your least favorite Christmas song? of all time. I mean, the song that you hear on the radio that just makes you go, how on the earth did they ever write such a horrible, horrible song? I wanted to give you just my top three least favorite Christmas songs of all time. Number one, Last Christmas by Wham. I do not understand why this song is so popular. Every time I listen to it, it just makes me sad and depressed, so I want nothing to do with it in my Christmas season. The second uh, on that list is Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. Now, when I was younger, I thought this song was hilarious. I really enjoyed it, but now that I've become a parent, I just find this song really hard to explain to my kids. You know, I sit down and I say, well, you see, uh, their grandma she got ran over uh, by a reindeer. Merry Christmas, right? Like it just doesn't quite make sense anymore. So it's on my list of, I just try to avoid it the best that I can. But my least favorite Christmas song, the Christmas song that I think is the absolute worst written ever is Santa Baby by any artist who's ever sung it ever. Like this song, I just, I can't stand it. Every time I hear it, it just makes me cringe. I think it is literally the worst song ever written. Funnily enough, my kids have caught on to the fact that I dislike this song a lot, so every so often they'll run through the house just kind of screaming at the top of their lungs, Santa baby, just put a stock. And I'm, I'm just, every time they start singing that, I just say, I've, I've failed them. I have failed them as their father. Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Now, one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs, one of the songs that, again, defines the season for me, has to be Joy to the World. Like, this is one of those songs that if we don't sing it at Christmas Eve, like, I'm going to take issue. I'm going to talk to our worship pastor. This is a travesty that shall not stand. It is a song that defines for me the season. And if you've been with us these last several weeks, you know that the message series, the title of our message series comes from Joy of the World. And the title of our message series is Let Every Heart. That comes from a lyric in Joy of the World where it says, let every heart prepare him room. And that's why uh, we love this Advent season that we've been going through because that's what we're attempting to do. We're attempting to create some space to give us an opportunity to truly Uh, allow ourselves to prepare, to let every heart, every home, every family prepare for the birth of Jesus. And so the title of my message series today is this, let every heart claim the gift of joy. That's that's the the title of my message today. And I really want to spend some time walking through the truth 
and the gift of joy. Because I think it can be a little confusing. It can be really hard to kind of wrap our minds around, but I believe it is one of the most uh, important things for us to claim for ourselves, not only during the Christmas season, but for all time. And one of the things that I define joy as, one of the ways that I've kind of understood what joy really is, is this idea that it's celebrating the truth of who God is and his presence in our life. Because joy is far more than just feeling and emotion. It is far stronger. It's the ability to really recognize that there is a God that loves us, that he is at work in our lives, and no matter what we are going through, we can stop and we can celebrate and we can claim joy for ourselves. And I think this is so important because of this truth. We counter the challenges of this life with the response of joy. Like with all the challenges that we've been facing, with all the difficulties and all the unknown that maybe next year may bring, I believe God has given us joy as a way for us to respond differently to the difficulties that come our way, to all of the challenges that surround us. As we continue now in our Advent story, we're gonna walk through um, a, a beautiful passage of scripture that really highlights the most unlikely of group for this story and how they claimed joy and how they responded differently to the difficulties that they were experiencing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter two. We're gonna start at verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. So we see the very first announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ goes to, like I said, the most unlikely of group, the shepherds. Now, for those of you that don't know, for this time, in this culture, and in this community, shepherds were not the most popular of groups of people. Like, they were literally despised by the religious elite. They just wanted them to have no part in their community. Um, the majority of the people in the Jewish community, and especially, again, the religious leaders, just looked at the shepherds as something that they just would want to forget. And it was because the shepherds didn't follow all the meticulous ceremonial rules and regulations that the religious leaders expected the Jewish community to abide by in order to please God. And it was mainly because of their job. It was because of their lifestyle of caring and protecting of their sheep. It did not allow them the ability to follow all the meticulous specifically the cleanliness and the, the purity laws that, that everyone needed to abide by. They just couldn't do it because of them caring for the sheep. On top of that, shepherds were just kind of seen as just kind of the, the lowest end of, of society. They were peasants that had no real power, uh, no real respect. Um, they weren't even allowed to testify in court because nobody would trust the word or the testimony of a shepherd. And so as we continue on, I just got to ask this question. How many of you at one point or another, or maybe right now, you feel like the shepherds? Have you gone through a season of your life or maybe you're currently walking through one right now where you just feel like you're a little bit on the outskirts? Like you feel a little bit like an outcast. You feel like you don't quite live up or measure up to the expectations of this world or to those around you. Maybe you struggle with your relationship with God. You struggle with who you are. Maybe at times you have felt like God wants nothing to do with you. And that was the life of the shepherds. They were constantly reminded and wrestled and struggled with this idea that does God even care about us? 
You know, when I was in college, uh, it, my junior year was the very first time that I ever got to be part of a life group. Uh, and it was just a group of guys that decided to get together for us to just kind of talk about life and to talk about what was going on. And there was two things that I really remember from that uh, experience with that group of guys. Number one, every single time we would get together and every single time we would meet and we'd go through our time, our, our leader would fall asleep halfway through our meeting. I mean, it was like clockwork. We would all be going around sharing our deepest, darkest secrets. Everybody just sharing about their life and just being completely transparent and honest. And we'd get to our leader and he'd be in the corner just going, and we were like, man, come on, Keith. Yeah, you got to make an effort here, man. We've only gotten through two guys. The second thing that I remember from that time with this group of guys was it was the first time that I audibly shared with another group of people this overwhelming feeling that I had that God wanted nothing to do with me that I had made too many mistakes, that I had hurt too many people by the selfish choices that I had made, and that I had forsaken any right to have God's love, his favor, or his blessing. And I wrestled with that for a long time. And I just felt that I had just made too many mistakes. I had hurt too many people. I had done too many bad things. And that God was just saying, I'm done with you. And if you feel that way today, if you wrestle with the way God sees you, if you struggle with your relationship with God or just living up again to the expectations of those around you, I wanna remind you what it says in this small passage of scripture. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded the shepherds. This most unlikely of group, the group that the religious elite absolutely despised, the presence of God surrounded them and the angels spoke truth and encouragement to this group of people. This is the good news of Jesus Christ that begins moments after his birth. That there is a God of the universe that loves his people and his news, his gospel, his son Jesus Christ has come for all people to fill them up, to transform their lives. No matter what they've done in the past, no matter what they're wrestling through, Jesus has come for them. And so if you're wrestling through those moments, if you've had those moments like I have many times where I just feel like God, I don't know where you are. I want to remind you that Jesus has come for you. He has come for me. He has come for all of us to fill us with his radiance, his love, and his presence. Now let's continue on in uh, Luke chapter two. Again, the story just gets better and better. The angels show up, begin to speak uh, to these angels, uh, or begin to speak to these shepherds. They're terrified, and then let's see what the angels say. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. One of the more common responses that we see all throughout scripture, but especially in the Advent story, is that of fear. 
that when something happens that is beyond our ability to really wrap our mind around or comprehend, we as humans respond in fear. Zachariah did that when the angel appeared to him. Mary did that when the angel appeared to her. And now this, again, unlikely group of people that would never expect for God to show up through the angel form like this, never once expected for something like this to happen to them. They were terrified. They were scared. And they responded in that fear. And the angels say, don't be afraid. When was the last time that you would legitimately say you were afraid? Like, when was that last time that you can pinpoint to say, I was scared, I was filled with fear, that I did not respond very well to the uncontrollable things in my life, to the scary things that came along my way, to the things that I didn't quite understand. For me, the the scariest moment over this last season of life, over this last year, has to be when the fires went through Oregon, the, the Oregon wildfires that, that we got hit with over the summer. And it was crazy. I remember I was at my house. I was sitting down actually working on another sermon at the time. And I kept looking up out of the, the back window uh, of my house and noticing that the sky was changing color. That at one point it was blue and now it's slowly turning orange. And so I just kept like trying to ignore it. I'm like, if, if I don't pay attention to it, it's not really happening and then eventually the entire sky was full of orange. Here's a picture of, of that day when I realized, oh my gosh, like something really bad is happening. Because I'd heard about the fires, but I didn't really take it seriously. And I thought, well, it's super far away and it's not going to really affect us. And then I remember just being overwhelmed with this sense of fear when I realized, oh my gosh, this is happening. And I have no idea what to expect. And so I went to bed that night just making that prayer. Okay, God, let us all wake up tomorrow and everything is going to be fine and the skies will be clear and everything will be taken care of. And here's another picture at 8.30 that next day in the morning. I mean, I legitimately was terrified. I was scared and I did not respond very well. I remember just being overwhelmed with this feeling of anxiety, of, of worrying about our house and our, and our things and where we're going to do and where we're going to go. And I lived in an area that went from a level zero to level one pretty quickly and then level one to level two pretty quickly. And then we were waiting and waiting to see where we're going to go from level two to level three. And the funny thing is I wasn't even in that bad of an area. There were a lot of other people and you probably yourself maybe and your family were way more affected by this. The, the fires didn't get nearly as close to me as it sadly did with other people. And yet I was terrified. I was scared. I was being overcome by this feeling and emotion. And this is why I love this story. This is why I love the words of the angel because they are trying to encourage these shepherds to respond differently. They're giving them encouragement as they speak these words of truth in verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For the first time maybe in these shepherds' life, they are now being encouraged and reassured that the message of God, his love for them, and all the gifts that come with the relationship with the living God, hope, peace, joy, and love has now come for them, has come for the outcast, the lost, the scattered. And it is this truth, this belief that there is a God that loves us and that he has sent his son to be born to this world so that we can experience the gifts of who he is. It is this truth that empowers us to rejoice, to be glad, to claim joy for ourselves. 
I love how Beth Moore says it. She, uh, a quote of hers is, we're going to have to let truth scream louder to our souls than the lies that have affected us. That's where I feel like church is so important, of gathering together with a community of faith, of continually engaging with God because every single time we do that, hopefully we are allowing the truth of who God is, the truth of Jesus Christ to scream louder to us than the darkness, than the hurt, than the pain, than the suffering of this world that's trying to mess with us, that's trying to discourage us. When we allow Jesus Christ to scream louder to us, we begin to see exactly the way God has intended us for us to live. And so I gotta ask the question, who needs to claim joy in their life today? Who needs to claim the gift of joy? You have been running through, fighting through, wrestling through so much. You have no idea what 2021 is going to hold. And so who needs to claim the gift of joy today? Now, as you consider that, I just wanna take a little bit of time and really break down what I think joy is. As I look throughout scripture, as I look throughout the New Testament, I see continual examples of what real, true joy is. And so I'm gonna break that down for you. And, the, and I'm gonna just make three points. The first one is this. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you look throughout the New Testament, you see that uh, joy is actually a byproduct. It is actually one of the blessings that God gives for those who follow after Jesus, who try to live their life as Jesus lived. And specifically, it is a gift that's given to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, for those of us that pursue after God, we are given an amazing gift, the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit wants to produce this type of fruit in our lives. And so I would encourage you, wherever you are, whether in your faith that's struggling or if you've kind of put things on a pause, I would encourage you, do not miss out on this opportunity right here, right now for you to grow closer in your relationship with God, for you to look for ways to grow deeper and deeper, to engage with him. Again, not to earn his favor, not to make yourself seem like you got it all under control, but so that you can experience the fruits of the spirit. All of these things that Galatians mentioned, these are realities that we can claim for ourselves. What does this world need right now? What does 2021 need from the followers of Jesus? It is people abiding in God, abiding in their relationship with Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can fill us up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the world needs so that it overflows in our life and is an example to those around us. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Take some time, create some space, engage with God right here, right now, so that you can experience the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can claim joy in your life. Second thing that I wanna point out about joy. Joy prevails in the midst of chaos. What I mean when I say this is that for those of you who follow Jesus, right, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are given a really cool opportunity, which is that we can live a life of joy even when we're experiencing 
hard times, even when we're in the midst of suffering, even as we walk through challenges and difficulties, we can still claim joy for ourselves. And it's because joy is far stronger, far more enduring, and far more powerful than any human emotion or human circumstance. Like I said earlier, joy is more than feeling. It's more than emotion. It is something that is founded on the truth of who God is and his presence in our life. And so we can actually claim joy for ourselves and we can live a life of joy even when life is attacking us, even when we struggle, even when we are wrestling through the challenges of this life. And that's one of the cool aspects that joy that needs to be pointed out is that you can have a life that claims joy and still be in a, a season and still be surrounded by grief, sorrow, and in, in pain. Like, it seems like they, they don't quite mix, and it's a paradoxical relationship, but for those of you that are rustling through stuff, fighting through stuff, it's hard for you to really see the good in what's going on, and you are wrestling and struggling through a lot of stuff. You can still have joy. It can still be present inside of your life, even by being honest and real with the hard that you're walking through. An amazing example of this is found in Acts uh, chapter 16, a wonderful story about Paul and Silas, two of the ministers of the gospel. And I wanna read for this real quick because I think it sums up exactly what I'm trying to say. Uh, Acts 16, 22 through 25, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Many of you know a couple months ago, I got into a pretty gnarly uh, car accident. It was right after a prayer and worship night that we had here at the church, our first like live in-person kind of worship experience in a long time and it was awesome. I was feeling really good about myself and so I was driving home and I got to a red light in Oregon City and then out of nowhere, this guy comes around the corner and just slams right into me. Ironically enough, I had passed this guy as I was driving home. He was off to the side of the road. He had already hit one other person and was dealing with that. I drive by him, and then no more than two minutes later, he speeds up and hits me and smashes into my car. Here's a picture of it. Now that night when I got home, I remember just being overwhelmed with kind of a a moment of peace. I mean, again, this was crazy, this was scary, Uh, this was intense. Later I found out that he was actually intoxicated and it could have been a lot worse, but I remember just having this moment of peace come upon me and I was able to claim joy over this situation despite how hard, how frustrating, how scary it was. I mean, I was able to walk away from the accident, even after I got hit, moments later, I kind of got my composure. I was able to get out of the car, walk over and check in on the other driver. He was able to walk away also. We both were fine. We walked away without a scratch. Now that might be a part, one part of God's blessing, or maybe that's the fact that I'm just ripped like none other and I'm just completely, you know, just like I can't be stopped. Probably not. Uh, but like I was able to walk away without a scratch and I still today physically did not get injured from this car wreck. The second thing that I can stop and claim joy over, that I can give God all the glory and praise and thankfulness for is that my two little girls, Carly and Emma, 
were not in the car with me at the time. I was driving my 2014 Kia Soul, and for those of you that know, 2014 Kia Souls, not the biggest car on the face of the planet, and the way the guy hit me smashed the back of my car in such a way that the back kind of area just kind of came together like that. I can't even imagine what would have happened had my two little girls been in the back seat. I can also claim joy and, and give God praise and be thankful because the car that was in the other lane, the car that he almost hit, but in the last second went from that lane into my lane and hit me, that they were not hit because there was a mom in that car with her three kids and they were able to drive away without a scratch. See, this is what joy does for us. This is what Joy did for Paul and Silas, that even after being beaten, thrown into prison, who knows what tomorrow may come. They can sit in their cells and they can praise God and they can worship him. And the prisoners there are listening and going, what is going on? Even in the midst of my situation, I was able to claim joy and experience some beautiful blessings of the truth of who God was and how he cared for me in that moment. And like I said, this was still crazy. My car was still smashed. Nothing change that. I'm still today having to deal with the chaos that is insurance. I got messed up. This emotionally and mentally messed me up and yet I can still take a second, create some space and claim joy of the situation for what God did and what he's going to continue to do through this. Now there's one more point I want to make about joy but before we do I want to end this passage of scripture uh, in verses 15 through 20 because man this is the part that just gets me so excited every time I read it. Luke 2 15 through 20. When the angels had returned to heaven the shepherds said to each other let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love this, right, this part of the, of the story because we see the shepherd's response to the good news of the angels. We see the shepherd's response to the good news of Jesus Christ. And some amazing things happened in that response. Their relationship with God from that moment on changed forever. They went from feeling like God wanted nothing to do with them and now they have become the heralds of the faith. Don't miss that. The religiously despised become the heralds of the faith and begin to share the story of God, the story of his love, the story of Jesus with all around him and people were astonished. And the funny thing is that the shepherd's circumstances didn't automatically change. I love in verse 20, it says the shepherds went back to their flocks. They were still shepherds. They were still going to have to deal with the ridicule of the community. They were going to have to still deal with the slings and arrows that come with what they did. And yet their lives, their relationship, and their identity changed forever. And as they responded to the story of Jesus, as they claimed joy, for themselves, and not only that, they became an encouragement to those around them, specifically to Mary, right? The, the mother of Jesus, she was deeply encouraged and impacted by the way they responded to the truth of Jesus. And my third point is this. 
Joy has a ripple effect. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, like when we follow Jesus and we allow his Holy Spirit to fill us with his fruits, the fruits of his spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things that it talks about in scripture, something amazing can take place. It can overflow in our lives to those around us. We can live in such a way where people begin to see how we act, see how we respond, see how we deal with the difficulties and the challenges of this world. And they go, that doesn't make sense. How can you respond that way? How can you be dealing with this in that way and we can say it's because of Jesus. It's because the living God has come and he has shown up and he has changed and transformed my life and we can allow the joy that we experience, the joy that we can claim can now overflow to those who have not heard the gospel message, who desperately need to be reminded that there's a God that loves them and that he is at work in their life even if they do not see it or do not recognize it. Now one of the things I love about Christmas has to be Christmas movies, just my favorite part of the whole Christmas celebration. So one of my favorite Christmas movies is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not the, uh, the cartoon version, but the Jim Carrey version. Over the last couple of years, I've just really fallen in love with it. And so you all know the scene that I'm talking about, right? That right at the end, uh, the Grinch has gone in, he's stolen all the Christmas presents, he's stolen all the Christmas decorations, he's taken everything from the town of Whoville, he's put it on his sleigh, he's taken it up to the mountain, he's ready to push that over the mountain so they're all destroyed, but before he does, he takes a second so he can listen in to hear the crying and the sorrow and the gnashing of teeth from this town as soon as they realize that all of their Christmas stuff has been taken. And instead of hearing the cries of sorrow, instead of hearing the gnashing of teeth and the breaking of hearts, what does he hear? He hears song. He, he hears the town coming together and beginning to sing this wonderful song and rejoicing and being glad despite the fact that they literally have nothing left to celebrate Christmas. And the Grinch does not understand it. He is so confused by it. He is so like, what? wait a second, what is going on? And so we see then how the response of the town then makes a transformational impact in the life of the Grinch. Let's watch this clip. His Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas. He thought. Doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps. Means a little bit more.
And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. Joy has a ripple effect. I love how the Grinch says he just feels all toasty, right? Because that's what joy can do. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. See, this is what happens when followers of Jesus Christ allow the Holy Spirit to minister to ourselves so that the fruits of the Spirit will come and be alive in our life. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, that becomes a fruit of who we are so that God can take that fruit and overflow it with those around us, that those that have yet to experience Jesus Christ may see the fruits of who he is in our lives. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. What does this world desperately need? What does 2021 desperately need from the church, from the followers of Jesus Christ? It is people who will take seriously the truth of who he is and allow our lives to embody who he is, the power and the source from the Holy Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness, and that we allow God to let it overflow in our lives so other people can see it, can experience it, and like the Grinch, can be transformed. How amazing is that, church? Do not miss this. And so I have to ask the question one more time. How can we prepare our hearts for the gift of joy today? Christmas is just a couple more moments away. And so what can we do right now to prepare our families, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our lives for the gift of joy so that we can claim the truth of who God is, that how he is working in our lives, despite anything else that might be going on around us. I want to claim, uh, close by uh, speaking uh, of uh, a Mother Teresa quote that I just think is so much par- powerful and it just sums up uh, what I've been trying to say this entire time way more beautifully. And she says this, joy is prayer. Joy is strength. Joy is love. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. You give the most when you give joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Never let anything so fill you with sorrow as to make you forget the joy 
of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you have given us to prepare our hearts and to prepare our souls and to prepare our families for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and as we get closer and closer to the day of Christmas, I just pray, Lord, that we would each claim for ourselves the gifts and the truth of who you are, your hope, Lord, your peace that surpasses understanding and the joy, Lord, that we can claim no matter what we are walking through, no matter how scary this world might get, Lord, we can rejoice and be glad because of who you are and how you are working in our lives. Lord, thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you minister to us and you produce inside of our lives this gift, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience that comes through a life that's dedicated to you. Lord, I thank you that this joy can prevail even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of struggle, and even when we don't feel it, even when we're having moments of sorrow and grief, we can still live life of joy. And Lord, I thank you so much that you allow this joy, this gift to overflow in our lives to those around us. Lord, we pray that you would move, that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty and powerful work in the life of our church, in the life of our community, in the life of this world, so that joy can be claimed by all, that your son, Jesus Christ, may come and transform the lives of those around us. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory and praise, and we thank you again so much that you sent your son, Lord, that he was born as a child, Lord, that we have here today the gifts to celebrate who you are and the joy that we can claim over anything that comes and anything that tries to discourage and distract. Lord, we thank you and we give you all the glory and praise. Amen.